So everyone, thanks for joining us for episode 68 um, of Bottoms Up Live. And um, perfect timing, Nick's just stuffing his face. <laughs> hey, I'm trying, I'm trying, man, I'm trying. So tonight, we go to, you know, we're still on the series of relationships. And when it comes to relationships and all across all cultures, food play such an important part of building relationships. And um, and I realized, like, you know, we had quite an attendance, you know, during Nick and I's dinner tonight. And um, thanks for watching us eat. <laughs> so yeah, thanks for coming, everybody. For really yeah. appreciate it. So let's talk about food tonight. So, um, Nick, what is your favorite thing to eat? Oh, man, that really depends on what mood I'm in, right? You and I have pretty similar backgrounds that, you know, we both cooked professionally. And if you were to ask me when I cooked in a restaurant, actually what my favorite food is, is probably peanut butter and jelly sandwich, right? <laughs> because you get tired of, like, all the steaks, all the rich food, all the butter. Um, at least I did. Um so when I was in a restaurant, it's something simple, right? I don't want anything that I can make that's there. And uh, my go-to now is probably Mexican food. I really enjoy it, you know, being half Mexican. Um, it's something I like to do. And, and here in the D.C. area, we don't have a ton of, uh, you know, Mexican Mexicans here. So if I want decent Mexican food, I normally have to make it myself. What about you? So for me, um, I'm a big seafood person. So um, I love good quality seafood but you know i'm asian so i love asian cuisine so almost every kind of asian cuisine so it just really depends um but i love good like dungeness crab um, lobster anything like that yep and um for me so i own a restaurant for about you know four or five years and we have steak so during that time, I was just like Nick. I would go next door to Burger King <laughs> when I had like steak at the restaurant and I wouldn't eat it because you get tired of it when you have access to it like daily or you're cooking it. Like some of the stuff, when I smell it, For I don't sure. even want to eat it. 
So when I was cooking a steak, so I grilled my steak, and I just had instant flashbacks of <laughs> having a rail full of tickets on a Saturday night, and then going, okay, this is, you know, because... You know, most of us line cooks and, you know, if you cooked anything on a grill, you set up your grill, you have your hottest side to your coolest side, and that's how you kind of keep track of everything. And literally, I just had flashbacks of going, okay, here's my medium, my rare to medium rare all the way to the side where it's well done, right? You got the grill super hot on one side and kind of cooler as you get to the other. Um, so it's it's really, like when I see Xiao there mentioning dim sum, man, really want some dim sum, man. <laughs> Yes, we're definitely going to grab some theme song when you're back in KC. So, yeah, it's crazy because, yeah, there's certain things, too. Um, Like, every time I smell beer, because we have bar as well, I just start thinking about, like, the dirty bar at night when you have to clean it up. <laughs> and I, I, You know, I feel that because literally last night, so I don't know if it was um... – us doing this about this food but i had a dream last night that i was working in a restaurant again and i was a prep cook and i didn't <laughs> finish my prep sheets and like i was making this cake and i forgot to make it and the restaurant was closed and i'm like what am i doing and it, i don't know if it was just the, this whole food episode that triggered that that response or something that dream it's it's really odd um it, and you know i did it for a lot of years like you did too so it shaped a lot of a lot of my professional beliefs and stuff um but yeah, so uh, it's just a weird random thing that happened. Yep. Um, Shao says she worked at a sushi restaurant. So, oh, man, I love good sushi as well, man. You know. Thanks for uh, hanging, Kelsey. Yeah. Looks like Jackie's on here. There's so many of our LinkedIn friends all hopping on. Thank you. So with the audience, um, feel free to comment. Uh, what's your favorite food? or any um, restaurant stories that you have, um, feel free to share. We would love that. Um, Justin Manning, his comment here. People's definition of food is generally culturally appropriate thinking without judgment. Is there a difference between eating cow versus eating dog? Ooh. That's a great point. And I, I see he's a vegan too. Um, and his tagline, no, nothing against vegans. So, um, it's one of those things, you know, that I, I understand people have different viewpoints of what they eat. And, you know, I respect that. I'm not like a lot of other people who are chefs when you get, when you get the vegan come in and you're like, Oh my God. Uh, to me, I always enjoyed that challenge. Um, and understand that culturally there's a difference between what's acceptable that people eat and, and what's not acceptable. Right. And, and here stateside, you know, we don't, we don't eat like, for example, horse. And I know, Horse meat's pretty popular in Europe that people eat that. Um, so a lot of it's just different cultures and opinions. And I know Asia, like uh, bugs and insects are pretty popular too, especially in Thailand area and Cambodia and all that. So I completely get that. No, it's, it's unique. Um, I think every culture, even I, I think one time, Nick, you and I talk about barbecue, right? Like every culture has their own unique way of even growing you know, on the fire, cooking food on the fire. And I think that's what makes um, eating so unique when it comes to relationships. Because a lot of times, you know, when you first uh, meet a friend, what do you do? You ask them, hey, you want to meet at a restaurant? You don't usually invite them straight to your house, you know. And, um, you know, it starts with food. So I think um, 
this show being bottoms up perspective, right? I think there's so many ways to look at food. There's so many perspective at look at cuisine. Period. You know,、um, one thing might fit one person, but it might not be appetizing to someone else, right? So then, try not to chew on the stick because you can. <laughs> you can probably hear that while I'm eating here.、Um, but no, I can. Com- I completely get that, and.、Um, Like I said, you know, when you work in restaurants, there's that viewpoint against vegans specifically, right? When you're chefs, where people are like, "Oh, a vegan comes in, like, go eat a salad somewhere," right? But I always enjoyed the special orders that come in, see if I could do something with satan or or do something with、um, quinoa, which in the early 2000s people didn't even know what the heck that was. Do you remember, like? When when Kiwa bust out when Gangbusters, I, I was working with it like ten years before it came out and blew up. So I always enjoyed the challenge.、And、we're talking about bugs, you know bugs. I haven't eaten my fish hair bugs. The one the one thing I'm I'm not huge on is organ meat. Um, Ooh, that's just me. Like、uh, working in Garmagee for a while, I just had too much thymus gland, too much sweetbreads, too much like. You know, for gua, and it's just it's just too much. I just can't do it anymore, man. <laughs> no, I'm not big on organ meats as well.、Um, that's tough. Like, I never like liver. Never a big fan.、Um, I mean, I haven't had much bugs as well. I had, I think, the only bug I've ever eaten was either by accident or a grasshopper. You know, I try like.、Uh, Um, chocolate cover grasshopper, and、mm, I mean, the chocolate was so overwhelming that I really didn't taste the grasshopper, except just the texture. So yeah, I, yeah. I, and I mean, I've I've tasted bugs before too,、um, and it's it, it's one of those things where if you can get over your mind of what it is and just eat it, like I always tell people when they try to eat something that they don't. Normally, eat is if you think about honey, it's bee vomit, right?、Oh. <laughs> if you can eat bee vomit, <laughs> you when can, you say you it that way, it's like oh, <laughs> that's what it is. Oh, and, and see, Kelsey says cow tongue. I actually love cow tongue.、Um, it tastes exactly just like regular beef as long as it's treated right.、Um, I, it's pretty popular in Mexican culture. I don't know if it's too popular. In, is it popular in Asian culture at all?、Uh, yeah, there's some soups and different things, but I know、um, I love cow tongue taco. You know, it's one of my favorite. Talingua, yeah, yeah,、mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. So when it comes to food, right, Nick? So what do you look for when、um, you're out and about nowadays? So for me,、um, I don't know if it's the same for you, but I just don't do fine dining anymore.、Um, it's this thing where I'm like, okay, if I want fine dining, you know, I can cook pretty well. My wife can cook pretty well. My wife can probably actually cook better than me now. Uh, if, if I'm being honest, and you know, I, I enjoy the hole in the walls.、Um, people call it ethnic food, but I, ju- you know, I, ju- I just want to go to the place, right? If I, if I see a Mexican place, I want to see Mexicans in there. <laughs> so that's my opinion. I'm like, if I don't see them in there, I don't want to go in there. I, I, I want to find the hole in wall, the cheap tacos, the cheap, you know, whatever, and get the best meal I've had. And Chicago's a good example of that they're Chinatown there, right? You go there, it's legit Chinatown. You, you might. Pop in a place and nobody speaks English, and you're just pointing at a picture, and you're like, "I hope I like what I just pointed at."、Um, 
so I, I love doing stuff like that and, and finding the more smaller places instead of doing, you know, the big names like David Chang's and all these places that do the James Beards awards and all that stuff. What, what about you, Kevin? I'm the same way. Um, you know, I think when you've worked at a restaurant, I grew up around it. So, you know, kind of the cost of food and you know how, how much markup there is, you know, but I do enjoy like a good restaurant atmosphere. So I would pay money to go to a nice restaurant if I'm out on vacation and I just want to experience um, the environment, you know, more the environment versus the food. But uh, I'm similar to Nick. I love hole in the wall. Um, I love um, other culture, authentic, like ethnic food, um, like South Africa or, you know, even vegan. Like there's, I think vegan meals have come such a long way from what it used to be even 10 years ago. Like it's hard to tell if it's a mushroom or a steak, if it's done well, you know, it's crazy. I mean, um, there's some really good stuff out there. I mean, there's vegan, like chicken nuggets that actually taste like chicken, you know? So. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I said, I don't know. It's something about working in the industry. Right. And when I first got out of the industry, um, my big thing I love to do is go eat brunch. <laughs> and I, like, you know, as well as I do is most of the time you're at work and you never did that. Right. You're at work in the morning and you're at work on like a Sunday when people go do that. So like, to me, it was like this, this weird thing to go out and eat brunch. It's like, cause I never did it. And it's like, go out and eat the waffles that are, you're paying like 10 times more than what they cost mm -hmm. or whatever. But to me, it was part of part of the experience because it wasn't something I was able to enjoy. I was always on the other end of it where I was making the omelets or I was making, you know, the pancakes or, or, or whatever. Uh, so that was one of the big things that I enjoyed when, when I got out. So one of the things I prison, still but... enjoy now is um, I just took my family there the other night, a waffle house. Because after like the restaurants closed, the bars are closed, like Waffle House was one of the, it's either Waffle House or IHOP. It's always open. So um, I always enjoy going to Waffle House and um, I would eat their pork chops and eggs. <laughs> and I it's still like things. It's, <laughs> yep. it's, it's really weird because people who, who never worked in the industry or weren't a chef, they don't, they don't really understand. It's like, most of the time for people, it's the simple things, right? If I watch Food Network and, excuse me, I'm like, I got food in my mouth here. So <laughs> um, if it bothers anybody. But uh, one thing that always bothers me is like when I walk chopped, right? Do you watch that at all? Because uh, my yep. wife and I will watch that. And like, let's say they'll get Kraft macaroni and cheese and people will be like, oh, how dare they put this in there? I'm like, man, you know, you ate that when you were a kid and you loved that. And like, I ate that when I was a chef because we had it for kids meals. We always kind of had some hanging around and like I would eat it every now and then. And then eventually, like I took it where I would grind up Doritos and put them in a ball and then deep fry them. But it's it's just, you know, it's one of those things. It's the simple things sometimes, man. You get tired of the rich food like we we're talking about earlier, the the heavy steaks and you just get tired of the smell of it, too. And I mean, the, the power of food is just so amazing. Like, you know, we're talking about how, you know, the smell um, the taste of certain food brings back memories. And um, what's one thing that brings back childhood memories for you, Nick? So for me, my mom's French Canadian. Um, 
So it she used to make these chicken and dumplings, and they're like, uh, so you basically make like a chicken stew, and then you cook these like biscuits on the top. So her dumplings aren't like the southern dumplings where they fall on the bottom. Um, they kind of cook like a biscuit on the top. And for the longest time when I was a kid, that was like my favorite meal. And whenever I'd have my birthday or something like that, I always wanted my mom to make that for me. And even though I can make that now, I still want my mom to make it for me. <laughs> it's like it's, it's it's just one of those weird memories where you know food and taste and smell has a big um, you know impact on your memory and and thoughts. And and it can I can smell something like you said you can smell that beer and it just instantly takes you back to a memory. And that's the same way it is for me with that dish. Yeah. So I think for me is um, soups, right? So um, in Asian culture, we drink a lot of um, different kinds of soups. So um, my mom always makes like the best where, you know, um, they cook it, you know, for eight hours overnight. And it's there's just variety of like authentic Chinese herbal soups, like um, chicken. Um, every once in a while, they have sea urchin, different things like that. And it always just fills up the house with aromas, right? And even to this day, now, like every once in a while, I'll make a good Asian herbal soup, you know, and then everyone else is like, oh, it stinks in the house, you know. But for me, it brings <laughs> back all the um, warm, cozy feelings. No, I, I, you know, I, I agree with you, know, that's it. There's something about smell, right? Smell and taste has that opportunity just, just to bring you back. And I love Adam Fitz's comment here is nobody is above mac and cheese. <laughs> so And he uses Doritos to crust the steak. You know, that's yeah. impressive. So, I mean, at times, you know, and we're talking about working in the food industry. And I mean, this comment that everyone says when I get out, right? Because it's like, oh, when I get out of jail, right? That's what it, what it kind of seems like. But, um... You know, it, it's one of those things where, where food touches everybody in some shape or form, right? Either, you know, you grew up, your parents could cook or they couldn't. Maybe you grew up on ramen noodles and mac and cheese. But but even seeing those things today as an adult will still bring back memories, right? And, you know, it, me as a kid, we bonded over the dinner table as a family. Uh, I don't know if that was the same for you because this predates the internet and, you know, having games and phones and dinner time was always our time to catch up as a family yeah that's one of the things for us as a family like i always tell jen like hey when it comes to dinner time like i want the family to be together and where we put electronics down we get them plug in and let's just sit and just talk about our day and how everything's going um i think it's missing nowadays in a lot of homes because you know mom and dad are busy working they come back so late and everyone's just in a rush and a hurry. And that's why fast food has grown, you know, the culture of, hey, let's grab some to go. Um, everyone eats a different thing at night. <laughs> you know, your kids might have McDonald's. Mom and dad might have leftovers. And, you know, everyone's doing their own thing. Yep. And I like Eldrick's comment here. I think you're right, Nick. Food can bring out strong memories. Therefore, it's better for young kids to love cheaper food. Otherwise they will bankrupt their future spouse with their expensive memories. Well, uh, so I'll, I'll make a comment on that. One of, one of a, uh, a friend of mine, his children, when they were like eight and nine, loved squid ink pasta. And if you put that in front of me when I was eight or nine, there is no way 
and heck that I am taking a bite of squid ink pasta. <laughs> Even though, have you had that, Kevin, squid ink pasta? No. What is it? So really, is they, so they, they take squid and, you know, the, the, uh, the ink sack, and they put it into the pasta. It doesn't really have much of a taste, doesn't really add much taste to the pasta, but it turns it black. So you can imagine being a kid and seeing some type of pasta and it's black and you're like, um, excuse me, I don't know if I'm eating that. Um, but so I'd say, you know, there's different varieties depending on how it goes. And I love seeing like you at the restaurant, seeing a kid, instead of getting mac and cheese, they're going to get like the mahi mahi tacos that are on the menu. I think that's kind of cool. Um, you know, it's it's different strokes for different folks, as they say. Well, right? nowadays, I mean, even macaroni and cheese can get pretty fancy, you know. So I was out with my son one night, and we're at a nicer restaurant, and I was like, "No, you're not getting this mac and cheese." <laughs> it was like lobster mac and cheese. It was like twenty two dollars. So I was like, "Nope, we're not getting mac and cheese tonight." <laughs> you know, the food cost on that's probably like eight <laughs> yeah. percent, and it's probably <laughs> not even real lobster. Is that the miniature ones? <laughs> is it Nangustine or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. I, and so we we're talking about food costs. I always tell people, I'm like, you know where a restaurant gets you really is in the drinks, the soft drinks. Because literally, like, you'll get a high-yield box of syrup. You'll get, what, 150 drinks out of it. And you're going to charge $3 for a drink. And it costs you, like, 45 cents to make it. It's like... Oh, man. Yeah, when you talk about expensive tastes, like, I think drinking is like throwing money away when you're doing it out and about. <laughs> so, Adam, say here. No, I, I agree. Yeah. Alcohol is expensive. Wine, what the, the general markup is a glass of wine pays for the bottle, right? So, you can kind yeah. of tell what the bottle costs by what, what a glass costs. So, Adam's bringing up hamburger helpers. I actually think hamburger helpers are, were pretty tasty when I was younger. What are your thoughts? Mike? I liked it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I grew up on stuff. I mean, um, I still like mom, Campbell beef soup, veg, is vegetable soup. Do you? Yep. <laughs> I mean, that, one, that one's pretty good. Like I said, uh, my mom, you know, I grew up one of four and my mom worked at Walmart. So like she used to make a ton of stuff. Um, and for the longest time when I was a kid, I didn't know how, how poor we were, <laughs> um, but just like the same thing, you know, like I had Campbell beef soup, but I, did, I don't know if I had actual craft slice of cheese till maybe I was a teenager, um, at somebody else's house, but it, it just goes to show that food, you know, can be made into different things. And culturally, um, it, it brings people together, right? Yep. Sit down at the dinner table. Right. And that's, that's why you see politicians, you know, they go to another country and they sit down and have dinner with somebody else then um, their customs and their norms, right? And I mean, food, there's no so many ways to be creative, right? So I, I was with my kids the, one night and they just begged me for macaroni and cheese. So um, I've been sharing with you all about macaroni and cheese and my kids. So that's their meal of choice. They love macaroni and cheese. So everywhere I mean, they I go, too, man. they order macaroni and cheese. So I got creative. I had a, a pack of um, that Chinese ramen, <laughs> you know, uh, the spicy one. So I didn't put the spicy sauce. So I just threw some, literally melted some cheddar cheese <laughs> and then just um, melt it and then just mix it with some ramen noodles. And I was like, here's macaroni and cheese. 
So that's funny because you were a chef, so you knew that to make a macaroni and cheese, basically you need a bechamel, right? You got to make yep. a bechamel and you got to put a cheese in it. And then you just need some type of noodle. So you can make macaroni and cheese on anything as long as you know your mother sauce is right and what you got to put in it. Yep. It's a weird, weird thing. Did you go to culinary school, Kevin? I, I can't remember. Or did you no, just kind I of did. start the restaurant so and then learn on the fly? Yeah, I did. So my father had culinary training. So um, I grew up around it. So it was one of those cases. I grew up my whole life in the restaurant industry. And um, I told myself I'll never work at a restaurant. And then I end up owning one and work for a couple. <laughs> and it's one of those yeah. things you always tell yourself you won't do it. And then you end up doing it, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, I don't know. I, so I wound up working in restaurants randomly. Um, as a teenager in high school, I worked as a dishwasher six days a week because somebody put up a help wanted sign and I wanted a job. And that's literally how I got got into restaurants just by starting washing dishes um so it's a weird thing it has a way of pulling people in and and one thing i remember is it pulls in a ton of creative people right because the people who are musicians they need like thursdays off and like these weird times and the restaurants can just kind of accommodate that um so i found out that it, it tended to attract certain type of, of people mm-hmm and then the crazy part too is, um, I think with the restaurant industry, I mean, it's good money when you're young. I mean, it's not bad, you know, like, especially as a server. You're just going to work, right? I like remember as a server, if you're good at customer service, I think, okay, uh, we got a lot of professionals here as well. We're on LinkedIn. Uh, one of the, you know, one of the things I always tell Jen, the best way, for someone young to learn customer service or sales or upselling is go work at a restaurant and be a server. Yeah. I mean, there's I mean, days people go treat you like crap and you got to put a smile on your face. And I mean, that's customer yeah. service. <laughs> I remember being so. So the thing that was the same when, when I was running restaurants, is like the butcher, the baker, the big money maker, but you weren't really the big money maker because when you multiplied the hours you were there. Um, so, but, but you know, like as you know, as well as I do is when you're in charge of that stuff, you wind up doing it all right. Like you might be the general manager or something, but you're going to do everything because at some point somebody's going to call out sick. Um, and I feel like that keeps people kind of grounded sometimes to where their staff is. Cause it, you're not like, where you could be like a VP of something and highly removed from the front line, you can see the front line every day. So you can see where the struggles um, and the wins are. So like, like you, I totally agree. It's, it's something that can be, you know, uh, a good thing for, for people, especially as they're coming up first job, dishwasher, yeah. busser, hostess, right? Cause you get, you get those customer service skills. Cause People complain about their steak being overcooked when they ate the whole thing. <laughs> and yep. you've got no proof. You've got no proof of that steak was overcooked. And you, you know, I think you like, also. I don't doubt it was overcooked, but, yep. you know, you ate the whole thing. <laughs> it's like, and I think yeah. you also learn to just, you, you learn how to get dirty. I mean, and do some of the things you might not want to do, like cleaning the bathroom, you know, and it prepares you so much better 
for when you go out to the professional world that your nose is not up in the air. You're never too good to go, let's go mop the floor today. You know, <laughs> and I am a firm believer in believing, remembering where you came from. And I think a lot of people lose that. They come up to the ranks of the corporate world and they get into this mentality of the who's who, you know, and they forget, hey, remember the time you're in high school and you were just busting tables? Yeah. I mean, I, those are the moments that got you there, you know? <laughs> and that's, uh, you know, that's why I go, I have the janitor part in my name because my first ever pain. So the first job I ever had was working on a family farm. So don't count that, right? Because nobody paid me to do that. <laughs> it's like free child labor. <laughs> so, yeah. But my first paying job ever was a janitor, right? And I just always think back to the times of when I did that and um, the great people I met who did that job, right? And who, who helped bring me along. And, and some of them were from the immigrant community, right? Uh, and I just always go back and I think of that memory and people helping br me bring me forward, bring me onto a job, show me how to do everything when I was a 16-year-old kid and everyone else is like 25, 30 or whatever. But they had no problem with me doing it. And we were just all kind of equal. We were all just there kind of there to get the job done. And some of the best lessons I ever learned was doing that low job, you know, just like you were saying. It's you learn how to treat people right and how people treat you, you treat them that same way back. It's it was a great experience. And you also learn to multitask, right? Because at the restaurant you can't go, well, I'm just working the fryer tonight. You know, there's going to be like, hey, Kevin, we need you in the dishes. <laughs> go go wash some dishes, dude. You know, and it's not like, oh, well, I'm the fryer guy. I can't go wash dishes. So one thing I highly, highly miss about working in restaurants is the jokes and the straight bluntness, right? Where at one second, you could literally be cursing each other out. And then you're like, hey, Kevin, um, what, what, when are fries going to be ready for, for table eight? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, it's like nothing happened, right? It's like, we're just all in this moment embracing the suck together. And then the suck is over. And we're just kind of like, oh yeah, Kevin, you know, like we, we completely forgot everything that happened five minutes ago. And you just kind of come together to get this task done. It, it, you know, working in restaurants is a really weird thing. And you know, as well as I know, is that working a Saturday night especially if it's like a mother's day is in the state side i don't know if it's everywhere else internationally yep. but you are gonna get slammed man like i don't care if you work at a dgi fridays mother's day if it falls on a saturday you're gonna work hard for, for probably like 13 14 hours yeah and we'll all just be in the suck together get mad at each other and then after it's all done we're all we're all hanging out you know at the bar at the restaurant um completely cool experience and what's cool is like I, I, I love working busy nights because your your day goes by so fast. Yeah. Like you know, during a rush, like four hours is like it feels like 30 minutes. <laughs> and you're done. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Yep. I, I literally when I work an eight hour day, uh, I feel like I'm cheating somebody. <laughs> like I I I don't know because you know as well know it's like the 13, the 14 hour days the no breaks. Um, that's why a lot of people in restaurants smoke so they can get breaks. Uh, I don't know if people know that, but it's like, you know, a lot of people wind up smoking in restaurants because they can get a break that way. Uh, 
great great for hanging out kelsey appreciate you stopping by yeah thanks yeah so it's just one of those things it's it's inexperienced and i recommend that everybody does if yeah. they get a chance to do it and we went from food to talking about working in restaurants but that's i know it goes. yeah hey it's, it's a big you, part you of my life and a big part of your life so yeah hey for those of you out there the audience if you've worked at a restaurant um throw us some emojis you know some thumbs up so we know you've done it so um love to hear you know your perspective as well and yeah let's go back on the topic of relationships and food so where was the first place you took your wife to eat if you remember so i started dating my wife when we lived in florida i was still working in restaurants so for people who don't know my backstory you know like i worked i was a professional chef and then i got tired of working every day every holiday every night every weekend and i went back to university and um so when i met my wife i was finishing my undergrad uh, for my bachelor's degree and i took her to a place in orlando called mimi's cafe but before we did that we played putt-putt golf and um you know that that that's what i I remember just going out to a restaurant. To me, it was still a weird experience, uh, n- not because of the date, to go to a restaurant uh, on a Saturday. <laughs> and then I still remember when I was first dating her and then um, the first Valentine's Day we were together, I had to work like, I don't know, like 16 hours or something like that. <laughs> it's like, And then, you know, you have Valentine's Day dinner at like one in the morning because that's what you do. It's the next day and um, it's... So it's a really uh, interesting, interesting thing. It's a different lifestyle for sure. Um, I think for me, um, the first time I met Jen, period, I think um, a group of people went out to eat. So, um, you know, we ate at this Thai restaurant. And um, my backstory was, um, you know, I, I lost my restaurant, right? I ended up um, like, I have a whole story about it. You know, I had a successful restaurant. Father got cancer. And I ended up, you know, taking a bankruptcy and pretty much um, walked away from it. And um, during that time, that's when I met my wife. And um, all these people went to this Thai place to eat. And honestly, I wasn't even interested in a relationship or meeting a girl. So I was really just like focusing on my food and just eating. And I think that sparked her interest because happens she was the only girl there and you ladies know how single guys are so (laughs) so they were all talking her head off and then here's this guy that didn't talk and just kept eating his food so (laughs) so um because i was kind of depressed and not you know i wasn't the best um i guess mental form at the time and that's how i won my wife over i guess (laughs) over food (laughs) <laughs> uh, see here adam fitz i was a line cook at cracker Bell. i came for the weekend and stayed because all my musician buddies needed shifts that is the most restaurant <laughs> comment i have seen here tonight yep that, that's totally the way it is right where you work in restaurants and you value people who show up over shifts depending it doesn't matter what they do as long as they show up <laughs> to yep. work you're like you'll take it even yeah, if you that's the most restaurant comment I've seen tonight, Kevin. I mean, I mean, Adam, yep. You get introduced to so much drugs and parties that you know you just see all kinds of things when you work in the restaurant industry <laughs> that you can't even imagine. <laughs> you know? 
Yeah, no, I, I agree with it. So, so when I decided like I was going to go back to school, the place that I was working at was like, okay, you can't cut down your hours and be management. So I left, I took up prep cook position at a restaurant because I was like, well, I need to go back to school and I need to make sure that that's my number one priority. So I'm here as a prep cook, right? And there's this guy who's a prep cook back there and he's probably like 45, which is ancient in the restaurant industry. If anyone knows anything, right, Kevin, to like see a 45 year old prep or line cook is, is a rarity. And he's showing me what I need to do to make pizza dough and all the stuff. And he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, Nick, he's like, the only day I ever took off is when I died. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? He's like, oh, when I had my first heart attack, that's the only day I ever took off from here. He's like, I went to the hospital, they discharged me, and then I came back to work the next day. <laughs> I was like, it's, it's these weird situations that happen in restaurants, but I, like, I, that's a huge memory of me when I go back and I think about working in restaurants of this guy telling me the only day he ever had off was when he died. <laughs> <laughs> and he was proud of it. He was proud of it. Uh, so Aldrick here, he said, hey, Kevin and Nick, teach us something how to close a deal over a meal. Well, see, Aldrick's a poet and doesn't know it because closing a deal over a meal, right? <laughs> so I, I think when you're when you're doing business over food, it's really helpful to know your audience. And especially if you're dealing internationally yep. with the cultural differences, right? Because there are some cultures where you know, they expect business to be done over food, over social interactions. And they might and not some, eat meat. Yeah. And the, so it, it it's super helpful to know your audience and the culture that they come from. And even if they come from a culture where maybe they don't eat meat, maybe they do. So it helps to do your due diligence ahead of time before you go out to dinner. And I know there's some things like Japanese culture too, business culture. It's a year they're expected to go out for drinks after work and do the whole schmoozing thing and they will hang out forever. Um, so I think it's super helpful to understand who you're doing business with and what their cultural expectations are. And this could be as easy as asking questions when you're in the business meetings before you go to the lunch or the dinner, right? And get to know somebody, some of the things that we do initially. Right. Talk about Kevin. We talk about our wife. We talk about our families and you can kind of, you know, bring up some personal touch there to kind of figure out where, where you need to go with that. But, but at the end of the day, Aldrich, um, the key is you get them drunk and then you bring the contract out and go, just sign the dotted line. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? If, 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 like the sake's flowing, the wine's flowing, and people are having fun. Like there's some cultures where they won't do business with you unless they know you personally, right? And you make that connection. Um, and, and, you know, like we said, food has that way of bringing people together. Just think when you invite people over to your house and you start cooking, everybody winds up in the kitchen, right? Or if you're smoking and grilling something in the backyard, everybody winds up in the backyard, uh, food just has this, this, you know, human instinct of pulling people around to like, oh, I always like to think it's like you come back to caveman days, right? Everybody gathers around the fire to, to talk with each other and connect and 
you know, talk about their day and how things go on a human level. And what's neat is I think food's so timeless, you know, like no matter, like, you know, social media changes, you know, your technology changes, everything changes, but there's always food culture. Like it just doesn't go away. And I think it's going to stay throughout human history. Um, I mean, you can't talk about relationships without food, period. No, you can't. You, you know, can't. every friendship, every friend you have, guys out there, um, besides virtual friends, right? You probably have in with them at some point in your life or even family member. Well, I've never met you in person. And here we, we, oh, we yeah, we're eating. had a meal together. We That's just had true. a meal together. Yep. So. But it, it's one of those things, you know, food brings people together, right? And I always love experiencing other people's cultures. And like I said, what somebody calls one thing might be something completely different to you, even if you're from the United States, right? What somebody calls a pig in the blanket in Kansas City might be different in Minnesota, right? So, you know, and some of that can stem from the different cultures that you know, populated the areas initially. So it's a great way to bring people around. Pizza rolls. Jeez, I love pizza rolls. Man, yep, the Totino's pizza rolls that will like set your mouth on fire with grease if you bite into them too soon. It's like, yeah. But, you know, food is such an icebreaker too. You know, it I is. always find it even more awkward if you go meet someone for the first time and it's not over food. It's almost a little even more awkward if, uh, you know, they don't have the personality where they're not outgoing. You can eat with someone that's an introvert and somehow still work your way into a conversation, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, food does that for everyone and we all need it and we all love it. Um, so what Eldrick said here. <laughs> yeah, not true. I wouldn't like it if you eat dinner for 90 minutes. Well, there's some cultures where that's expected, right? Like, I know Italian culture is, and, and, and Spanish culture from Spain, it's like they start and they eat dinner late, and it's multiple courses, right? So you might have, like, 10 small courses over a few hours. So it's, it's, it's the cultural thing, right, and understanding what culture you're dealing with, right? And you're not going to show up to one of those and expect to be gone and... 45 minutes, right? And and close the deal. So some of it's just, uh, how it goes, LinkedIn user. <laughs> it's Beth. So. Oh, Beth. Okay. Yep. I like making homemade stromboli with my own homemade sauce. Yep. Delicious. Good stuff. So I'm curious, Eldrick. So Eldrick, what's your favorite dining experience for you? It's probably going to be McDonald's. Like, let's. let's <laughs> Mickey <just> D's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i'm curious if anyone else in the chat what's what's your favorite food or or dining experience yep especially yeah. if you worked in the industry because like me like i said it was like brunch and breakfast like i was just huge on that because i could never do that um i was never up for breakfast because i worked till two or three in the morning or i worked the saturday sundays for the brunches you know aldrich says silo fine dining <laughs> that's not my idea of a good time but hey whatever works for you right um so aldrick so are you cooking or who, who's cooking the silo fine dining 
<laughs> I so I am fine can kind of dying ding. <laughs> kind of ding. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I know I am fine kind of ding. <laughs> oh. I mean uh, so fine dining can be experience, right? And like for me and you, we come from it from a different perspective because we worked it. Um so I, I can understand where the appeal is for some people, right? Because it's an experience, right? You go to like a Morimoto's or something like that where you can drop $500 pretty late in 10 minutes. And it's an experience, right? But for us, it's kind of like we've seen how the bread's made. And it's like, ah, oh, well, you know, I know the $500 meal, the line cook's making like 15 bucks an hour. So it's like, <laughs> it's like I'm not... I'm not doing that because Morimoto's like in LA. He's not here, you know? So I think some of it's just like the whole thing. You've seen how the sausage is made. So you're not as, as big on it. At least it is for me. Like for me, I know um, it's not healthy, but I liked a good pack of ramen noodles. Surprisingly late, late at night, you know, just ramen noodles. I like to throw like some veggies in there, maybe an egg, and, like, I never get the point, like, you know, we have this ramen culture in the U.S. today, right? You know, everyone's, like, caught up in this ramen stuff. And it's hard to find a quality ramen restaurant in the U.S. So, I can't see paying $20 for a bowl of ramen. I still have a hard time doing that. So, to me, I'd rather have my $0.95 cents a pack. And then you just spice it up with some good beef or good seafood, throw it in there, and there you go. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. Adam, Brazilian steakhouses. Yes. Ooh, that's a yes. Yeah. The Fogo yep. de Chao or the Texas de Brazil or or whichever one you have around you. If you've never experienced a Brazilian steakhouse, that that you gotta do that. Now it's, Brazilian steakhouse, now, to me, that's worth it, you know, because yep. I, I can go all in and really spend my hour <laughs> and just go all out, man. I usually feel sick afterwards, but. <laughs> well, it's just like if you flip that. So, like, people who aren't aware, so Brazilian steakhouse is normally, like, you get, like, access to, like, salad and different stuff. But then the, the big draw is the meat, right? And you have this, like, little cylinder you put on your table. And it has a yellow and is it, or it's green and a red, right? Mm -hmm. On top and bottom. And when you flip it over green, people will just come at you with swarms of meat. And they're like, you want this? Like, do you want this? Like, like what? Like, how done do you want this? And it is just... Full, like right there the meat sweats right <laughs> um, it's like one of those things where it's, it's if you don't if you've got one in your area you need to go check it out because it is its own experience um, and I've yet to find something else that's pretty similar to that you just go you flip the thing over and you pick your meat right yep, Texas State Brazil yeah that's pretty popular in the south I don't know where else it is in the states but um, I know Fogo de Chao is pr pretty big too. Yeah, I love Fogo. So, and you know, the trick at Fogo is their their salad bar is also pretty good too. So, you know, the key is to go there and not fill yourself up with the salad stuff, and just eat the meat. <laughs> Which okay, so everyone is in restaurants. Okay, 
So the buffet line is always set up with the protein at the end. <laughs> yep. And that's intentional maybe because we want you to fill up your plate before you get to the protein. So if you want to go get the crane, go from the back to the front. <laughs> so, that's right. You don't yep. want to fill yourself up with all the carbs and the cheap stuff. All the bread, Eldrick. You don't want to fill yourself up with the cheap bread. <laughs> no, no. Maybe he's a McGriddle guy. I know he's a McDonald's guy. Maybe he's a McGriddle guy. <laughs> he wants all those carbs, you know? Oh, man. Uh, and what's neat is like you can have so much different conversations just like tonight, right? We're all talking because we all have so much experiences with food. You know, every person here, you know, I know Eldrick has a hidden favorite. He's just not telling us, you know, so. And, and I, I know love that question you asked me about what's your favorite dish, right? Because it's different for everybody. Yep. Even if we grew up across the street from each other, Kevin, it's completely different, right? With your background, and mine, we would have two completely different favorite dishes. And I always thought it would be kind of cool to make a cookbook with a compilation of, you know, like 15 of your best friends, like go to dinner meals, right? When you invite friends over for meals, what is your go-to like apps, you know, mains and desserts and just have like a book where it's like those different things. And like for you, you, you'd probably come up, I don't know, maybe Cajun. You, you owned a yep. Cajun restaurant. So you, you could surprise me. And like, I'd probably be like Ed, Ed Touffet for like a main, um, and you know, like Boudin or some, some kind of Boudin sausage for, you know, like a starter, like you could surprise me. So I was thinking it'd be cool to see what everybody's go to like throw down meal is when you invite friends over. No, that's a great idea. Oh, so Aldrich says spicy kind of, veggies. Man, I'm like, a big fan of yeah. kimchi. So I think kimchi, oh I mean, God, there's I so many kimchi, ways yeah. to do kimchi. Like some people do it with radishes. There's broccoli kimchi. There's, you know, I'm a big fan of kimchi. You know, the, the different types of cabbages. Some people do it even with, I've seen it done in bok choy, kale. I mean, it's amazing. I love yeah. kimchi. So I like, I love Korean food just in general. Um, and literally like one of the last places I ate at before the pandemic started was a Korean barbecue. And the whole, through the whole pandemic, through like most of us, like, hey, I just want to eat a Korean barbecue. But, you know, as well as I know, it's like, it's the tables close together and you throw, they throw the meat. Like there's no, <laughs> there's no way that's happening in a pandemic. But so it's, between it's one of the things I've missed. Between Fogo and Korean barbecue, I think it's a close tie for me. That's a tie. Because, because uh, I don't know where you're at in D.C. Uh, I know we have like the all-you-can-eat Korean barbecue. Yeah, we And have it's very here. similar. You can have pick your meat and they bring it to your table. And then um, you and your friends or your family, you can just cook it on this open fire, right? And it's unlimited. So you pay maybe $20 and it's all-you-can-eat. And um, I think I, you know, what I think I might take Korean barbecue over, over Brazilian steakhouse. Um, that's just me. You know, it's, it's the experience of being able to sit there and throw the meat on there and flip him back and forth. It kind of takes me back to, you know, like being at your home and grilling out in the back and everyone's kind of hanging out while you're grilling. So it, to me, it's maybe not so much the food itself 
as it is the experience. Yep, the experience. And experience plays such a big part in, you know, eating, period, you know. Uh, and uh, food culture is all about experience. And that's why, think about it, um, YouTubers, it all started with food. Like the biggest influencers on social media started with food. If you yeah, go yeah. all the way back to like MySpace days, it wasn't like LinkedIn, like professional gurus teaching you how to do things. It was simply some guy got their phone or a camera and started cooking at his home. <laughs> yeah. And so, so the one thing I will say too, is that, um, you know, as stuff is become more accessible, I feel like people like maybe I'm just guessing wrong, right? People feel like they need to be able to cook as well as Jeffrey Sargarian or, you know, like people see on Food Network, Bobby Filet, <laughs> but I've ate at Bobby Filet's restaurant and I was like, I'm not impressed. <laughs> so it's one of those things to like, don't be afraid of what you see on TV. Just try, just start, right? And it's about understanding flavor combinations and the different things that, go together and you know as well as i know is that i've cooked with people professionally who are better than anybody i've ever seen on tv and they will never get a lick of ounce on tv because they don't have that personality um it's it, it's just one of the things just try just start right everybody starts somewhere your first few meals are gonna suck right but think back to the first time you start doing anything you suck at it right and then eventually you kind of figure it out as you go along and i would say just try Right? Yep. Just start somewhere. And Teresa, the tip to cooking good rice is buying you a good rice cooker. <laughs> <laughs> Every so, Asian I've known has said that to me. It's like, nah, how do you cook rice? A rice cooker. <laughs> I, I, I think most Asians today, the millennials, I don't think we know how to cook rice with just uh, like a normal pot. a pot. I mean, I do, but I think a lot of people even Asians, as much rice as we eat. I've met so many Asians that don't know how to cook rice without a rice cooker. <laughs> I don't know if Aldrich knows how to cook rice with just a pan. So That's uh, tell me wrong, things, Aldrich. It's it's really weird. Like you go to Chinese restaurant here in the stateside, and I, I like I understand it's not Chinese food, right? It's Americanized Chinese food, just like Mexican food here is Americanized, but I love the plain white rice. <laughs> I don't know what it is about it, but I like, it's just kind of like this shapeless, formless thing and you can throw whatever on it and it, it becomes a part of whatever it is that you're eating. Dude, um, like, um, it's like a blank canvas, right? You just son, throw whatever you want on it. My youngest son can eat macaroni and cheese or just white rice. <laughs> what kind of rice though? It, it, like like so, just so steamed rice, flat out rice. Okay. And then Jen, my wife, like she does something interesting to me, uh, you know, so growing up, you know, I live with Asian parents. So we're like traditional Asian food and Jen puts like, it's like a no, no in our culture, right? She puts like butter and milk and mixes her rice up and then eats it just like that. And I'm like, oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> it's the thing that I always used to call uh, rice pudding. Like, have you ever made that with um, yep. 
basically, you know, you just make like a custard and you throw the rice in it. Um, I always do that with leftover, you know, rice from from Chinese food. But like you said, it's all there. Look at Jacob is horns, pancake, pretzel, cheese, bacon, burger, steak. It's like, yeah, see, he shows up. But it's, you know, food, food just can be awesome. Bring people together and. You know, it's one of those things we all have our favorite dishes and everybody culture is different. Even if you come from the same culture, your home's different from one home to the next. Yeah, I love um, Adam said he likes Jasmine rice. Um, I'm a huge Jasmine rice fan, man. It just has the aromas, you know, is perfect. Like for me, it's so weird. So pretty much throughout my childhood, I grew up like super Asian, my parents, so really, I in my mind, I always thought there was just long grain white rice, you know, until I probably like high school freshman year. And I was like, oh, my, there's other variety of rice. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Like there's so many types of rice. There's like brown rice. There's, you know, like when Wild you guys rice. brought up Indian food, right? They have a different yeah. kind of grain, you know, um, there's just a wild rice and. Just rice alone. Basmati, right? Basmati. 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 Yeah. It's crazy. Panda Express. Okay. (laughs) Jacob said he likes Panda Express. Yeah, I like Panda Express when I was a kid hanging out at the mall. You know, that's where you go. But yeah. That's where I'm taking Aldrich if he ever visits um, Kansas City. (laughs) He's going to be like, what what is this abomination? Aldrich's going to forget about McDonald's, man. He's going to go Panda Express. Kirsten, oh. what's going on? Good to see you. Thanks for hanging out. Yep. Um, so Teresa said, Mitch Herber said, what else can you eat a hundred pieces of? <laughs> Reese's Pieces, M&M's. Uh, <laughs> I want snacks now. <laughs> uh, you no. missed it earlier where we were just eating for, for a few minutes. But so, so the weird thing is that you know, we were talking about doing this. So it's like for me, a guilty pleasure is always steak frites, right? It's it's the Belgium dish. And if you go to a Belgian restaurant, it's normally like a very fatty steak, right? A fatty New York strip or a fatty ribeye with like a veal demi-gloss sauce. And then you dip your fries in it. And which I didn't do that because I don't have any demi-gloss just hanging around. I mean, it's like a, uh, I don't, don't make that unless I'm in a restaurant. But that's one of my guilty pleasures. I don't. Uh, what What's your guilty food? pleasure kevin Ooh, uh, for me is actually you know nowadays everyone said carbs is horrible for you i i am a sucker for good pastry oh i love pastry especially like european pastry. pastry korean pastry um you, you know like good pa- solid pastry like i can eat bread all day long <laughs> oh i can too and so the, the the weirdest thing is I've had a hard time in the DEC area finding a true croissant because, you know, as well as I know, finding real puff pastry is difficult. And you can tell when someone buys the puff pastry from Cisco and makes it as opposed to when somebody's actually layered all the butter in and made it. Um, finding a good puff pastry is difficult finding a real croissant is difficult and when you find one you know the pan the pan au chocolat the the croissant that just has Mm. chocolate inside of it man 
it's like, dude, give me five of those with a cup of coffee. <laughs> and even like um, a good apple pie. I'm a sucker for yeah. that too. Oh, Man, like homemade quality apple pie with fresh apples and a scoop of like homemade ice cream. So that's my wife, aunt, my wife's aunt who just passed away a few days ago, unfortunately. Um, she would make apple pies with lard. And it, like, this is one of those things like making a pie with lard as opposed to the uh, Crisco shortening is a night and day difference. Like just having that apple pie that has that lard fat in it. It's completely different with it, you know, with the enclosed pie crust, not the lattice crust, which if anyone's talking, it's that little, it's like that little crust like that. But this one's fully covered and you just cut oh. the so it can breathe, man. And that's like you throw a scoop of vanilla ice cream on that thing, man. It's like, that's like, just give me a whole pie with ice so cream. So while, while we're talking pastries, let's talk a little about coffee culture. So are you a coffee drinker? I am a coffee drinker. Um... I used to not be as picky um, as I am now. So like in the restaurant days, it's like, oh, whatever coffee we have that comes in, just throw it in the pot and give it to me. <laughs> um, you're like, I just need caffeine because that's before Monster any Energy drinks and all that stuff. But so now, you know, I love a good latte um, or a good espresso. I generally will just drink it with milk in it. I don't put sugar in it. I just want that kind of combination of like the frothy milk with the bitter coffee itself. Yep, that's how I am. So what are you your thoughts of cold brew? Of what? Cold brew coffee. Cold brew? Uh, I like my coffee hot. Um, my wife's a huge cold coffee drinker, but I want a hot. I don't mind cold brew, but there's something for me, it's like, it's an experience, right? You sit down, you have your your coffee, and you have your your pastry, uh, very European, but it's like, it's just one of those things. I love having the pastry with the hot coffee and just having that experience. And, you know, like uh, like uh, Usama there, I think he's a Turkish coffee drinker. Um, it, it's just one of those things, having that super bitter thing and having something sweet to go with it. I'm the same way. I love me a bitter cup of coffee. Um, I don't mind a, a froth. Um, that's why I'm the same way. I love lattes. And if you have a good piece of pastry to go with the coffee, and that's where the it's sweet perfect, comes man. in. Yeah. yeah. So one of my favorite uh, pastries is the Madeleine. You know Ooh. what I'm talking about? It's the little uh, pastry from France, and it's got like the little yep. shell shape. And yep. the, like, <laughs> yeah, when yep. you have those things, and the, they've got to be made that day. Or else the next day they're not as kind of quite as crispy on the outside. But when you have those with a cup of coffee, that's just perfect for me. I'm like, that's that'd be like one of my perfect breakfasts. So what's your thought on Starbucks? You know, I so before Starbucks came along, it was hard to find a decent espresso or a cup of coffee. It just like didn't exist, right? And here in Kansas City, I was on the East Coast. I don't know if it was any different. Um you know, before Starbucks blew up, but I don't mind Starbucks coffee. I actually feel like their regular coffee tastes burnt to me. Um, but if I'm looking for decent coffee and I'm somewhere like the middle of nowhere driving to like somewhere, you know, I'll stop and I'll get that cup. But I love finding the mom and pop shop where it's just like someone who's a barista and 
you know, finding what, what they have. Cause there's, there's all kinds of cool stuff out there. I like going out of my way and visiting the stuff that's probably not the uh, chain restaurants. Yep. I think, um, the local coffee spots are awesome. Um, I actually like Starbucks. I mean, um, I think they purposely burnt the coffee a little bit. I think that's what makes it distinguished. I mean, it is because, on the hot side. Yeah. yeah. Because I taste the burnt as well. But I think that's what makes it kind of distinguish. But the only thing I like at Starbucks is really just their soy latte. Because the soy milk they use is very different. I think it has mm-hmm. like, you know, obviously it has sugar in it. And um, I think it just goes well with the burnt coffee. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's that's good too. And, you know, one of my favorite methods to get coffee too is a French press. A friend of mine who lives in DC and I trained Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu with him, he actually started roasting coffee. Um, so most of the coffee I get now is actually from him. And I actually love a French French press coffee. Ooh, French uh, you press. just throw it in there and you let it sit for a few minutes and you push it down and you get, you know, like 20 times the caffeine. Um, yeah. It's, you know, like a big hit for your money. And it's one of those things, like, like I said, man, a nice Madeline and a cup of coffee and I'm set, man. Uh, so you saw him and said, I love making oh, I love scones, scones too, too, and homemade cookies for tea or coffee. Yes, sir. Good stuff. So one of the things, have, have you been to Australia? I have not. So if you've never been, they, um, so when I went there, I didn't understand that coffee culture is really big there. And they pick up a lot from the British culture, but they pick up even more from the Italian culture because they had a huge immigration of Italians when they wanted to uh, obviously like build up the country and build infrastructure. So they are huge on like legit coffee there. And it really surprised me when I was there. You go there and like it's this mix of like Italian with like French pastries and like someone's working one of those huge like espresso machines when you order coffee and Starbucks is like almost nowhere to be found. Really in Australia. Yeah. And it's, it's this really weird um, thing where you wouldn't think it would be, but it's huge. And like I said, they also have this huge Italian food scene, which was, which was pretty good, which surprised me. Um, So if you ever get the chance to go, just, be ready to experience some some great coffee shops and some good Italian food. So I know um, Eldrick brought up earlier that, hey, let's talk business. And um, it's funny because we're, we're talking about food and all this taste and smells. And from a business point of view, it's interesting how much business is done over food um, in the business scene. I mean, how many, okay, prior to COVID, how often instead of, hey, let's go do a Zoom call, that you would tell someone to meet you and have coffee or go have lunch? Yeah, so it's definitely more often that would have coffee or lunch um, over Zoom. And some of that was, you know, I was, I was live streaming anyways before mm-hmm. COVID. Um, so I was used to being on Zoom and being on that, but most other people were not. So most of the things would be locally and that's one of the great things I feel like that's come out of this is that more people are willing to hop on a zoom and and meet somebody. Um, and you know, like I said before this, it was, it was more always in person. Right. Yeah. And I, I I looked at my budget, you know, as a company, so I own a digital marketing agency now and the amount we spend on like (laughs) 
like entertainment, just entertainment and like coffee meetings just to meet. Right. Uh, and it's not always guarantee a partnership or a deal. Um, like I bought a lot of coffees, you know, in 2018 and 2017. And then you start looking at, you know, even internally, you know, every time you have a lunch and learn or, you know, it's just become part of our business culture where people bring in like salesmen. I like even when I was in my corporate job, I always look forward to the salesman fizz, like when the salespeople visit, because even if I'm not buying something, I'm, I'm going to get their free meal. <laughs> so like, you know, I look forward to bring bagels or, and is also a good excuse to leave the office, <laughs> you yeah. know, for, you know, and like, like I agree with you, you know, like meeting people in person, I mean, there's still no replacement for that. Um, and coffee or lunch is a good way because it's not like a huge commitment, like where you go out to dinner and then sometimes people are like, oh, well, let's go grab a drink here. Um, so, so it can wind up being a longer, longer engagement. Um, so <laughs> Adam, rack up those tax deductions. Exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, but, so I, I can believe your T&E budget went, went way down once the pandemic happened because like you weren't, you know, entertaining as much as clients before as you were now, you know? So let's talk a little about, you know, the business culture of eating, right? So if your boss is taking you out, so, or you're going out with, you know, you're a new employee, you just, do you, what, when your employer allows you to kind of pick whatever you want, do you pick the most expensive item, the cheapest item, or the middle? How, how, what, what would you say is the proper way of selecting your meal? So, okay, so we're talking about, there's different ways to look at this, okay? So if you're traveling by yourself and you're on business, like let's say you're going to a conference, um, but you're not entertaining clients, you're just eating by yourself, I would not pick the most expensive thing, right? And that's just... That's maybe that's just me. I'm like, you know, I'll I'll stop at Panda Express as Jacob popped in here. If I'm eating by myself and I'm just on a business trip, I'm gonna stop at whatever's quick, whatever's easy. I'm not gonna spend the money. If I'm entertaining a client, I might only get a medium thing. Um, if my boss is there, my boss orders the highest thing on the menu, then I'm like, okay, well, I got a threshold that I can pick from. But a lot of times, you know, since I worked in the restaurant. I won't pick the most expensive thing anyways because the the cheapness in me comes in here is like, ah, I know what this food cost is at. Like at most this food cost is at 30%. So like he's not even spending anywhere near that much on that. So maybe I'm not the gauge for that perfectly. Um so so like for me it would depend, right? You know, I would let a client pick the most expensive thing, but it wouldn't mean that I I would do that. So you saw him and say, I picked the cheapest thing as a model of respect and dignity. You know, I would agree. What about like, you? Like, what, what, do, uh, what do you do as, as an agency owner? Like, yeah. I mean, do you feel, I mean, even though you own. Like, you know, it's funny agency. because um, one of my things is when I have a new team member, I, I always like to take them to lunch, like lunch mm -hmm. on me. Because I do have to say. The meal that they choose does give me a foretell of who they are eventually, 
I don't know how to say it. And um, my wife and I were just talking about that. It, it's kind of funny. Um, I do somewhat agree with Usama because you'll see people that will order the most expensive thing on the menu. And from experience, and it's not judging anyone, um, you usually have less of a team player, <laughs> you know, <laughs> on your team. And, um, and then there's people that are always like, um, oh, you know, why don't you go ahead and order first? And then they, you know, and you can tell they're just respectful. And then they, they judge by what, what meal I buy. And then they might go, you know, a few dollars below or, you know, the same thing I order, you know. So I do think it's a sign of um, respect in a way. And um, for me, um, you can learn a lot even from like when you go out and buy a client meal or whatever, um, buy what they order, you know, so you can kind of scale who they are as a person. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I mean, that's interesting too. And that, that brings another thing we're talking about business lunches too is alcohol, right? Um, you go out to a business lunch and it's, it's 1230 or is everybody ordering alcohol? Are you the, the one out? And I feel like that's always the thing too, that's hard to figure out, right? And some of that depends on company culture or, um, you know, just culture in general. Uh, so I feel like that's always one of the hard things to figure out. Yep. And I think like with food culture and just the, in business, you can tell a lot from the way people eat, the way they even approach their food. Um, I mean, you can learn a lot about someone, you know, um, I have had met people that are very particular and you can tell, you know, they eat the same thing every day. I, I had a guy that, you know, used to work for me and I love him to death. And I mean, he ate at the same time every single day and it's the exact same thing. And when it comes to work, he was the exact same way. Like he was always like, like he had his whole routine down like to a science. He would like something's really wrong with him if he shows up late. Like he was always on the dot and he would leave on the dot and he was very particular and he did the exact same routine on a daily basis. And we always wonder like, how, how do you do that? Like he was super disciplined, <laughs> you know? And so like you can tell so much from food. And I think that's why a lot of cultures, um, when it comes to business relationship, I know it's huge in the Asian culture is um, taking um, your clients to lunch because <laughs> in Asian culture, if you watch enough, even Korean series, um, they're actually reading you. They're like trying to judge like, the positioning and, you know, uh, the proposal and, you know, where this is going. I mean, it's like dating a girl. You can tell a yeah. lot during that meal. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out who the decision maker is, right? Who is the decision maker here? And we're going to find this out at yep. this uh, business lunch. Yeah. Yep. And it all starts, you know, eating out food and then it leads to other things, right? <laughs> Oh, I like what uh, what Jen said here. You get <laughs> on the top of food, this. you can't stop this. <laughs> uh, and then Yusama said, "Food is an international language." 
I agree. We all got to eat, right? It's it's something, right? You got to eat something, right? You got to eat something. So what is the worst thing you've ever eaten? Oh, man. Shad bro. Shad bro. Do you know what that is? I don't even know what that is. Okay. So you know what a roe is, right? It's it's uh-huh. fish eggs. Yep. So shad roe is like this huge, like, so like when they, they harvest the roe out of this fish, they harvest it like in its, jeez, I don't even know, what is it, uterus or something? Oh. Like I'm probably butchering this. And they leave it in this big sack. And like you just, like, it's it's gross. Like I just like, no. That's the worst thing I've ever ate. And it, it goes against my whole thing of like, you know, like eating, not eating organ meat. I've just had too much of it. I'm done. <laughs> what about you? Ooh, for me, I, I don't know. I mean, hmm. That's a hard one. Hmm. I am not very big on same thing, organ meat, any kind of organ meat. Just, I'm a texture guy. So if the texture is not good, I have a very hard time eating it. I get that because a lot of organ meat is kind of like chewy or like soft. Um, the, the texture can be off putting on it. Yeah, I get and, that. And, and also anything that's kind of gamey, you know. Uh, so I one of the things gamey. I could it depends. Uh, what's the uh, so in Asian cultures there's these duck eggs and it's like a baby duck. I think that's one of the worst things I ever eaten. I I literally like it. I don't think I would eat that, but yeah. I, I might try it. But yeah. So my dad used to eat those things, and like he gave one to me, and I oh, when I saw that little bird, I can't <laughs> do it. <laughs> He's like, "What happened to my son? He's too American." <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> so my my wife said, "Does a girl order a salad, or do they order a steak?" The answer is they order both, Jen. Yep, they do. Yeah, don't be afraid. Order the salad. <laughs> and so the Adam steak. said his order was both. fermented tofu. That's rough, too. That is That's rough. The, that is rough, yeah. Yep. It's a di- distinguished taste. I know a lot of Asians love fermented tofu. I know. know tofu in general is bacon, Asian culture, mm-hmm. like... Okay, so at least until you get to know a guy, how do you order follow their lead? I guess I just didn't. <laughs> no, you do you, Jen. You do you. That's what I say. Yep. I, now, nowadays, I tell her you do the cheapest thing on the menu. <laughs> <laughs> and then you order the steak. <laughs> and then I order the steak. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you saw say he's allergic to crab and lobster. And then he said, oh, yep, oh, Beth, Beth, have a great night. Thanks for hanging. Have a good night. Eldridge is having for poo. You guys are still... We're um, definitely not talking about poo, so... Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man, it was a fun night, man. It's crazy. See, when you talk about food, that just draws a natural audience. I think this is one of my best live shows i mean we maintain by 10 15 people the consistently the whole night you well, know? For 10 minutes that we were just eating so. <laughs> i know 10 minutes of it we're just eating um we're talking yeah. about food and 
I mean, I mean, content, when it comes to content, like for me, when I scroll through, especially like LinkedIn, because most of my followers are on LinkedIn, I love a good food pick because I get so tired of all the business stuff. Like, I do too. Like I'm so exhausted from it. Like I don't even want to write business content because I'm like, I am just drained. It's like nowadays it seems like everyone's an expert and it's like, great. You're great at your craft. Good to know. And if I want to learn something, I'll Google it. You know, I don't need to go LinkedIn and read your content. So, so for me, <laughs> it's great to see a nice dish of food. Uh, what are you eating on the weekend? <laughs> you know, and therefore, you know, even for live shows, you know, and then the mental health stuff too. Like, I know there's a lot of mental health things, but there's a lot. Like, nowadays it went almost from, like, LinkedIn coaching to all of a sudden mental health therapists, coaches, and everyone's trying to help someone to get healthier. But before I end tonight, one of the things that helps your mind is food. <laughs> Doesn't matter if you're depressed. <laughs> you're sad just go eat <laughs> you know yeah. and i think there's a reason why in the u.s you know i think every prison does this before death row they let you choose your last meal so that's that's insane to think right like i i mean just like what do you want to eat before you die and i don't know if i could pick um I don't know if I could pick like this meal. And, and I know for, for death row in the States, it called, you know, comes to some ultimate end and they let family come and all this stuff before everything goes down. But it's, it's just crazy to think like, like you just brought that up and never, never occurred to me to write that till right now. No. And it's crazy too. I was talking, um, uh, friends of mine who are doctors and stuff and, um, emergency room. And they tell me that like, a lot of people before they die, they ask for their loved ones or even the nurses to bring their favorite food. Mm -hmm. Isn't that crazy to think about? That's crazy. Yeah. But, yep. Has a special, you know, that sense of taste and sense of smell has a special connection to bring people back to memories, I think. <laughs> Aldrich, depressed, go eat, stand on your weighing machine, depressed, go eat, rinse, wash, repeat. Now, well, thank you everyone for joining us all night. We um, pretty much just talk about food. And when it comes to relationships, I think food is a big part of it. It's a great icebreaker, um, no matter if it's business relationships, um, dating someone. Um, you know, everyone has a love-hate relationship with food. And the food is what fuels us every single day. It's what gets us motivated so um go get grab you guys a late night snack or a early morning um bakery item you know before you go back to work or whatever so it was a fun time so um we'll have to do more of this um nick and i we talk about doing where um we all just get a bunch of people and doing a throwdown where um we all just cook so we need to we figure out 
No, like do a how, dinner party, right? <laughs> ooh, like, what about LinkedIn's largest dinner party? So one of the coolest things I always think in Paris, they do this thing it's called dinner on blanc, which is a dinner in white. And um, everybody gets dressed up in white and they don't say where it's going to be until it starts. And every, oh, thousands of people just show up to have dinner. And they're all in white and they sit down these tables. Um, look, look it up if you ever get a chance to call dinner on Blanc or dinner in white. Uh, and it, it, like there there'd be, it has to be a cool way to like redo that virtually. Ooh. We got to figure this out. So we got to talk to Travis. <laughs> Nick, uh, we got to put our minds together. We got to do one of the largest LinkedIn eating events where we're all just eating. There we go. Yep. We're going to do it, guys. So, yep. Yep. Let us know if you're all in on this idea. Um, Give us some thumbs up, comment, and um, we'll figure out a date. Maybe we should do like one of the biggest Friendsgiving meals for (laughs) There you go. It just goes for 25 hours now. (laughs) (laughs) 25 hours. (laughs) It just like literally like goes on to the next, the next set. And one person, one only one person rolls on from the previous show. Um, <laughs> so it's like dinner at a friend's, right? That'll be pretty cool. That's yeah. a good. Look at all these people; they're all in. So, hey, good time tonight. So, um, hey, um, follow Nick. You know, if you guys don't already know him, I think everyone here knows him. They're all Nick fans. So, um, thank you so much for being on Bottoms Up Perspective, and um. Uh, Next week, um, I'm sure we'll do something again. Uh, we haven't figured that out yet. So uh, thanks for joining us. And um, Eldrick just posted our link um, to our website. It's bottomsupperspective.com. And feel free to comment below if you ever have any topics or ideas um, or things that you like to talk about. Um, I'm an open book, and so is our core team, Eldrick, Jeremy, Jen. Um, we love to hear it. Just let us know. So Thank you guys for joining us for dinner and have a good night. Later. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it.